How do we make and multiply disciples around the block and around the world? With host Doug Lucas of Team Expansion, Lee Wood of One Body Church, John Hirima of Big Life, Roger Shull of E3 Partners, and special guests from around the world, we'll explore how believers can come together to make more disciples. Welcome to the More Disciples Podcast. All right, another episode of the More Disciples Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts here, Roger Scholl, along with John Harima. Great to be here. Doug Lucas. Hello from Phoenix. And subbing in for Lee, who's out of the country, we have Zach Duke yet again. I'm the better looking Lee Wood coming from Indiana. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Zach, you, you just you just are a guest host so much, we just need to make you a regular host pretty soon. <laughs> Let's go. I love it. It's All like right. the DH. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And uh, I'm excited about our guest because uh, he's from Maryland and I've just been he- hearing rumors or rumblings that there's something awesome going on in Maryland with disciple making movements. Uh, his name is Michael Sove, I believe, but Zach knows him a little bit better. So Zach, why don't you introduce us to Michael? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Michael, actually, the first time I heard about Michael was actually from my mom down at Medicamp when they attended Medicamp together with Curtis Sargent. And, and then that rumble just continued, Roger, just hearing more and more what God was doing. Of, of Michael just being gripped by disciple-making movements only happening through consistent, fervent, united prayer. And, and now, by God's grace, not only in Maryland, but throughout the United States, is helping unite people and teams and streams for the sake of praying specifically for disciple-making movements. So I, I love this brother so, so much. I'm actually going to get to see him next week in my own home here in Indiana on October 14th. So excited to see my brother. Uh, but Michael, so, so glad to have you here with us today. Yeah, it's a real honor and a privilege to be here to share my heart, my passion, and all that. Amen. Great. That that was an awesome intro from Zach. But Michael, maybe you can introduce us to yourself. Just maybe give us a little rundown of who you are and maybe give us a just a quick intro of how you got involved with disciple-making movements and, and what's going on in Maryland where you're at. Okay. Um, well, I'm Michael Sove. I'm part of a, a pastor, a staff pastor in a, in a legacy church on the eastern shore of Maryland. I actually have been here 15 years. They just celebrated my 15th year on Sunday. Um, the way I like to describe myself is I'm a boots-on-the-ground disciple-making practitioner. Um, and I started learning about DMM about two years ago when I went to Medicamp. And uh, previous to that, I was a church planter. I was in the cell church world, you know, the two-wing church, gathering the large, scattering the small. So I groups and all that kind of stuff and discipleship was part of me already. But um, then we um, began to be frustrated by not really seeing results or not being able to be have the people out in the community. They were really good huddling together, but they weren't really good going into the community and making a difference. So that's when we got introduced to uh, Medicamp and Curtis Sargent. And that was like a real pivot point in my life. It was also a pivot point in my personal abiding. I, I've told this story in many settings, but I got struck with Bell's palsy right before going to Medicamp. My face was twisted. My eye was stuck open, and it was stuck open for like five months. Um, But I knew I needed to be there, and so I went there. And sure enough, God used it as a as a deep, um, like deep surrender in my life. I've always been excited and following the Lord, but He broke me totally. And I was sitting there in in the little uh, um, trailer under Curtis Sargent 
God just like broke me. I was able to say, God, if I never get healed, that's okay. You're enough. And then those who know me, well, God, if I could never golf again, that's okay. <laughs> You're enough. And actually, he broke that idol in my life. I don't golf much anymore. That used to be what I did a lot. Um, but anyways, from there, I just started applying these things personally, and uh, my abiding skyrocketed um, for the last two years. And then I started uh, having a heart to see prayer raised up. Because one of the things I learned very quickly in a disciple-making movement is that there's no movement without prayer. So I could tell you more about that. But that's just a little bit about myself uh, at this point. Michael, we are so glad to have you. It's an honor. Thanks for making time. One of the things that hits us about you is that you're implementing from the background of an existing church. And uh, this has been a, a topic that we've examined some. And to be honest, it hasn't really, uh, we've not found people that are setting any records in it. And would you just take a moment, though, and knowing that your existing church is likely to watch this anyway, but could you take a moment and say how much they've released you to this ministry of prayer and DMM, but yet how difficult it is. And this past week, you told me, I think you told me you had 16 teams of two out praying on a, on a, on a morning, a Saturday morning or something, which tells me you're doing a lot in existing church. Can you kind of catch us up on what's happening with your church? Okay. Well, it, it, it is very slow uh, in the church. Okay. Uh, pastor Bill and I both sat in Metacamp together. So the lead pastor is saying, hey, I want to be a church uh, of spirit-filled soul seekers who make disciples, who make disciples. Okay. So our hearts are knit together there. And, um, but it is, a, it, is a, it is a slow process because they're used to um, another paradigm. And so we're just doing a lot of little things to shift the paradigm. But um, uh, you brought it up, for example, in prayer. Uh, one of the things we said, we want to go out into our zip code. We know in one of our zip codes, there's 9,000 homes. And so our goal over the next um, uh, two years is to pray over all those 9,000 homes. And so, nice. again, little things like in a legacy church, it's really hard to get people out in the streets, out in the neighborhoods. So we see this as a victory, even getting people willing to walk, pray over the property, walk up, hang a door hanger that says, we prayed for you. If you have additional prayer needs, you can email us at uh, we pray at AMBC. And so that's all it is. But of course, as we're out and we run into people, we're teaching them to engage them in conversation, to pray with them on the spot if they're open for it and all that. So we just started that. Uh, we have, we basically have 60, no, we have 30 teams of two uh, scheduled to go out every Sunday from two to uh, 3.15 and come back and report. And we're just going to do that year round. Um, so that's just a little thing we're doing, just trying to ch change, you know, uh, the way people function. You know, we're all about obedience, you know, not just knowledge, but we're trying to teach people uh, to obey. So it, it's awesome. a process. Um, like I, one of my roles in the church is I'm over the groups, okay? And um, right now people would think, oh, you're not being very successful. Well, transitioning groups is very, very difficult. 
they come in with a different mindset. So I'm trying to use a simple way, uh, which includes mobilizing prayer, teaching them discovery, and then following up with engagement. So every time we gather in a group, we're always about who, who have you prayed with and for? And, and we're always about the basic discovery process because we, we want to come together as a group, sitting under God. You know, I, I just read it again fresh this morning, John 6, we will, we will all be taught by God. And um, so we're trying to teach them that. And then we're really trying to get them focused on engagement in the neighborhood, at the workplace, wherever. Hey, Michael. Um, yeah, I, it's awesome that you're on here. I appreciate uh, you taking your time, taking time to do this. A uh, couple of questions that always fascinates me, like Doug just said, you know, when just to see people doing this in Legacy Church, which we desperately need. But um, what were the gains and losses? Like when when the church decided to focus on DMM and obedience and that obedience-based uh, disciple-making, did, uh, did you end up seeing a loss of, of people? Do people decide they want to go somewhere else where it's more comfortable? And then what was the gain once you started doing this? What was, what was the biggest positive you saw out of it? Well, we're, I would say we're still in the early stages of that. It's not like a bunch of, you know, cause we're, we're trying to do things behind the scenes as well. We're trying to be careful in the transition cause we don't want to just stand up, make a declaration and then lose a whole bunch of people unnecessarily. So we're, we try to be careful, even the way we describe things, we, we focus more on principles than using DMM language and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we do, we do get pushback. People are used to what they're doing and they're used to comfort. And um, so it, again, we're in the, we're still in the early stages, but I think we're doing pretty well in in the transition where we're at but awesome. we're really just trying to get people to focus on obedience we're trying to get people to be accountable to one another we're trying to get people to be focused on the lost go out among the lost and so our pastor we always talk about the seven sales that you hear talked about and so we're trying to raise those sails to catch the wind of the holy spirit awesome thank you that's great um and I love how with what everything you're talking about, like obedience-based discipleship, trying to, to, to encourage principles of, of getting people out, but how much you're emphasizing prayer and even how Zach uh, told us already that you try to foster that, not just where you're at in your church, but in Maryland and even across the United States, which I think is incredible. And so I'd love to hear from you maybe what, what, what just started making you passionate about trying to foster prayer uh, towards disciple making movements and how you've been able to encourage people in prayer. Maybe you could start talking about that some too. Well, like I said, it, it all starts with what was happening with me personally. Um, you know, uh, my typical routine is I get up at 4:45, and and I I've learned great things from Metacamp and from Curtis and others. But you know, I'll spend that first hour reading and soaping, taking a scripture and applying it to my life. And then who am I going to pass it on to today? And then I'll spend the next uh, hour using what I learned and many of you heard of is prayer cycle. And um, so I work through that in a very balanced way, listening, you know, to the Holy Spirit. And um, so everything flows out of that. So what happened was, as I started spending more time praying and listening and journaling and, and doing all that, then I 
you know, I, I, I was taught in all the different trainings I've been in how important prayer is, and it has to be multiplied. And so in order for prayer to be multiplied, then what I'm going to try to do has to be simple enough to be replicated, and anyone can do it. Okay, so what happened what's, What happened to me is I was out at a, another annual uh, gathering. I'm on the global Zoom 8 team with Curtis and, and, and some of those. And while I was there, Chris, uh, Chris Wynn, who is like the computer guy behind Disciple Tools and all that stuff, um, he started talking to me about how he was building prayer in the state of Colorado. And he said, look, I, can, I, could, I could actually make a landing page for you. And I can hook it up to a MailChimp account, and I can give you a public Facebook. So, so two years ago, that's how it started. Uh, he, it was pray for Colorado, and it was pray uh, in my heart, pray for Maryland. So they, he gave me some real basic tools, and then I started to begin to put out like a weekly prayer update for our state. In our state, we have 24 counties. Um, so one of my visions is that we could have prayer going in all those counties. And, and, and um, so that's how it all started. Well, I didn't just leave it on the social media end of things, although I used that, I used that, and I used that heavily. I began to find people from different counties who would be willing to meet me every Thursday morning for a half hour of prayer. Um, and I kept it to a half hour. We could get in, we could get out. And I'm telling you, um, I probably have 12 people every Thursday from six, seven counties very faithfully with me. Okay. So it doesn't happen quick, but now our hearts are really being knit. So within our prayer time, we keep it really simple so that anyone can facilitate it because I, I don't want it to revolve around me. So sort of what we do is we come in and for the first five to 10 minutes, we celebrate what God is doing in our disciple making efforts this last week. So we get stories, we encourage each other with the stories. Then we, we go to a, a piece of scripture, and we use the scripture to pray, to springboard out of. And we focus on three things. We focus on personal repentance, corporate repentance, and praying for the lost. And then the last 10 minutes we're together, uh, we pray for one another's disciple-making efforts that are going to happen in the next seven days. So the time goes really quick, but it's really easy to replicate. Uh, I had a brand new guy who's only been with me two weeks. He just led it this morning. He did marvelous. Um, okay, so we got that going. We got that going in the state. Well, then I started asking God, God, I would like to see if, if I, I'm just an ordinary person. If I could do this in my state and get things going, how could we get this going in other states? So uh, just through word of mouth, um, different uh, groups that I'm part of, I start talking it up. And um, so now, after one year, uh, last September, we had four. We had Colorado, Ohio, Maryland, and another state. Can't remember because it's all merging in now. But today, I have 20 states and one province, okay? So I... I, I I, I pray for and I search for a person who's willing to coordinate prayer for their state. They're all scared. Not, you know, I, they go, we can't do this. And I said, well, start where you are. Start where you are. If you're in a city or you're in a county, start where you are. But keep your eye on the state. So, um, so I, 
interview people and if they're willing and you know obviously i i finally had to write up some basic things we're trying to do so because they started coming and um they're all at different levels some are a lot of them have live praying going on some of them are just starting in social media some of them have a weekly thing they send out and some live praying it's at all different levels and so um it's just very exciting and um, then I, what I try to do personally in my own prayer calendar is I try to pray for each of them on a day every month. So I'm talking with them. I'm finding out what's going on in the disciple making and prayer in their state. And then I'm praying for them and I'm trying to teach them to pass that on. Um, so the vision basically is uh, we would love to eventually to have it done at the county level. But right now I had to start at the state level. I had to start somewhere. So, um, so that's a little bit about that. And once they say yes, then I just stay in touch. I don't dictate how to do it, you know, but I, I show them by modeling and some basic things that I've learned. And then I, we just, we just keep going. And, um, so that's a little bit about that. Yeah, Michael, that, that is awesome. And two things you said that really stuck out to me, as you said, it started with you. Like it started with you obeying in your own home. You know, as Lee would always say, from micro to macro, you can't give away what you don't have. And then you, and your encouragement was also just start where you are because it can seem daunting to have prayer for your state. But if you just start where you are in your own circle of relationships and let it grow from there, really is beneficial. And so just even some context for the listeners. Um, I believe, Michael, that, that Chris has all 50 state URLs, even though, um, yes. It's not all working yet. So it's pray, then the number four, then the state name. So pray for Maryland. We have a pray for Indiana. There's a pray for Florida and 20 or so others. And so could you even just speak just for a second? If others are hearing this and they want to know, does my state have a pray for? Does um, Can I step into this? What would that look like? And then second part of that question, it seems like, you know, there's a lot of things that legacy churches and the autonomous um, house churches networks, uh, we, we can't always come together on tools, on practices and models, but it seems like prayer is a great uniter for legacy churches and movement type of churches. Have you seen that happen? So two-part question, how can people get involved in the pray for, and how have you seen this unite the body of Christ? Well, um, uh, if if you're interested in even learning more about the pray for movement again what makes it unique there's a lot of groups that pray but i decided that if i was going to focus prayer it was going to be on movement okay nothing wrong with praying for government nothing wrong with praying for healing nothing wrong with any of that but it, we need a bunch of people who are focused on praying over disciple making activities and movement okay so um, if you're interested in that, um, uh, the best way probably would be to get in touch with me and you could get in touch with me, Michael at pray for the number four, Michael at pray for Maryland.org. Okay. And, um, yeah, I'll, 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 put the, I'll put the link there, but Michael at PrayForMaryland.org. And what happens is I just get a time to talk and share my heart and, and uh, point a picture of the tools that we offer. And um, what I'm really looking for is I'm looking for people 
who are passionate about prayer, but also they're trying to walk the disciple-making walk themselves, okay? Nothing wrong with intercessors, okay? But what I'm looking for is people that are actually moving forward, boots on the ground. I'm trying to make disciples, but I'm also passionate about prayer. Man, if you can get that combination together, that's really good. Because an intercessor might not understand all the stuff behind movement and what we're trying to do. And then a disciple maker who's not passionate about prayer, again, not not really living it out. So the combination of those two are really great. But then I, I just sit, a Zoom call, phone call, I explain it all, I show it all. And then I let the person pray about it. Uh, and then we go from there. And then if they say yes, then we'll get the tools in their hands and then we'll just start the process. Um, so that's how it happens. Um, and then I think your second question was uh, a uniting or seeing how, you know, how this thing uh, unites. Well, again, um, I'm starting to, I also, if you're in the pray for movement, you're going to be aware of everyone else that's in it. So I'm encouraging cross, call it cross pollination. We can learn from each other. Now, for example, many of us started a private Facebook page. Um, the difference between the pr private and the public, the public is, you know, that's where I post out just my weekly updates, whatever. But the private one, I'm actually personally trying to grow that to have over a thousand people praying for disciple making movement in Maryland. Okay. So I'm trying to model through that as well. But in, in the private page, um, I invite my other pray fors in there. And then if they have a page, they invite me in there so that we can see what each other is doing. And we can be encouraged. We can learn from one another. Uh, one of the things that um, I haven't done a lot yet in this first year, because I don't want to keep adding meetings to people, but I would like to see even a quarterly time where all the pray fors and the people they're working with would come together and, and pray. And I've done that once. Um, I done, did it for a moment, so we didn't have a really big uh, group. But there is a lot of communication starting to happen between the people that are trying to do the same thing. So I'm seeing that that's very encouraging. Um, you know, even today I was praying for Missouri and Phoenix Constantino is my pray for Missouri point person. And just, just the building the relationships with one another, keeping each other stirred up in the big vision, encouraging one another. So, I'm seeing it start. It took a long while to get here, but I'm seeing it start. So I can only expect good things in the days ahead. Michael, we are struck by how much you are an implementer. Uh, can you tell us a story? And I don't want to put you on the spot, but maybe tell us a story about a person and just use first name if you want, who was impacted by this, but also had an impact on the people for whom he or she was praying. Some kind of a, an illustration of how this has impacted a life. Well, my favorite illustration uh, that uh, I'll, I'll make as short as possible is, I call it the Mary story. It started two years ago. Um, I was out, we were out going into community and stuff, but then we got a cold call. Someone wanted us to come to their apartment. So I went with another person. We went over to the apartment and um, uh, is the very first thing we discovered when we got there, It because she invited us in. She said God was really touching her, and they need God in this apartment. So she invited us in. And before she invited us in, of course, I'm going to ask who's in there before we go in. So she said, um, she said, my wife. I said, okay. So we go in, and um, so 
starting that day, this is when I first did my first Discover Bible study, started the next week in that apartment with these strangers. And um, so this went on for some months, and uh, we were just going creation to Christ, and we got to Genesis 2, and she said, well, it's no one's business what I do behind closed doors. And I said, well, I just, I want you to know I love you regardless, but here's where I stand. I believe what God's word says here. And so then we just, we kept doing DBS. And um, about four months later, I get, she, she even went down to Florida for a couple months and I, I lost contact. But four months later, I get this call and it's her on the other end. And she says, I just totally surrendered myself uh, to God. And, um, and she ended up leaving the gay lifestyle after 26 years. I began to disciple her through Zume training. I took her through Freedom in Christ. As a matter of fact, uh, tonight, she'll be sitting in this office where I'm at, leading Freedom in Christ, okay? And I'm mentoring her. I'm mauling her. Model assist, watch and leave, okay? Uh, I believe Mary uh, is going to be one of my great church planters. I really do. Um, uh, she's in some really tough circumstances. We helped her start a, a business that's just getting off the ground a little bit, but she is like an example of an impossible thing that if you just start pouring into them and you start praying for them, I could go back to my journals, uh, my first prayers over her when I first met her, God, I can't show her uh, I can only show her so much. You're going to have to change her. I can't do it. And I, I even prayed at the beginning, God, make her a disciple worth multiplying. And then four or five months later, when she gets radically set free, and she hasn't looked back, um, she uh, started dating a guy. He wanted to be immoral with her. She broke it off immediately and said, no, I wow. can't do that. I mean, she is awesome. Um and there's, there's other stories like that, but it's all, it's all connected in taking your personal time with these individuals, being patient with them and letting God do what only God can do. And then once he starts to do it, you just keep feeding, you keep, you keep moving forward. And so, so that, that's just one little glimmer. Um, now I didn't ask to be brought into the LGBTQ community, but God is giving me favor. I'm working with a transgender individual right now. Amazing transition and changes happening happening just in the spiritual end of things, but you just got to be patient, and there's certain things only God can do. So that's where prayer really is the bottom line. You're going to come up against things that cannot be moved other than prayer. And then, and so, so it's, it's been really cool. Hey, Michael, that's awesome. Awesome stories and testimonies there. Uh, you, you, you mentioned the prayer cycle earlier. Yes. And, uh, you know, we all know what it is, but we may have some listeners who don't. Uh, if you could just briefly describe that and then the impact that the prayer cycle actually had on your life uh, when you started praying through the cycle. Sure. A uh, prayer cycle is basically taking an hour of prayer. You know, Jesus said, can you not pray for one hour? You know, so it's taking an hour of time and breaking it up into, into, into like 12 segments. Again, you don't have to be legalistic about it or anything, but I actually, I actually do sit down and turn on my uh, five minute timer just so I can move through the spirit. So you start with praise uh, then there's a time of waiting. I use that as surrender and just sitting before the Lord, seeing if there's anything that, you know, he wants to tell me. 
uh, then it moves into confession, you know? So every day I'm sitting there asking over the last 24 hours, is there anything that I need to just repent of or admit, you know? And I, I and I do, I, I do this in all different colors too. I journal everything. Okay. So all my sins are there and I cross them out in red under the blood. Okay. So, so after, um, after confession, then I move into reading the word. Now I've already read the word an hour, but I move into reading the word and I typically either go in Psalms or Proverbs or I'll go back to something he was showing me in the word that morning and I will simply read it and read it and read it. Those five minutes are up. Then I move into petition and I just start pouring my heart out. God, here's some things like this morning, God, I'm going to be on this podcast. Please help me. Um, and then I move into intercession and that's where I'm praying, you know, for others. And then after intercession, I cycle back and I now look at what I was reading and I use that as a springboard to, to pray the scriptures back to God. Another segment would be Thanksgiving. So I, for five minutes, I pour my heart in Thanksgiving, everything I, I can think of. And then we come to singing. No, I don't sing. Um, but what I do <laughs> is I turn on some Christian music and I let those words dictate how I'm thinking, how I'm responding. And again, I journal everything. So it's, I even write, write back my responses as I'm listening to the music. Uh, then after that, there's a section that I sort of merge. There's two things. It's uh, meditate and listen. And so I just spend the next 10 minutes just listening and letting him show me what he showed me, what he told me he wants me to do, all that stuff. And then I end that time uh, with, with praise. And it's just a well-rounded opportunity to cover all the aspects of prayer. And... Um, what was the second part of your question, John? Just the impact uh, it had on you once you started oh, doing oh. it. So. I, I remember thinking, if I could just do this once a week, that would be marvelous. But after I started doing it, now it's just typically part of my everyday way I start. And of course, I, I pray. I don't just pray for that hour and then forget it. No, I just go through, you know, be, be in an attitude of prayer. But that part, no alarm wakes me up. I, I've been doing this two and a half years. 4.30, 4.45, I wake up. No alarm has to wake me up. I get up and I, it's awesome to spend that abiding time. I'm telling you, if there's, if there's anything that I've learned, that's the most important thing I do. And then everything else flows out of that. Um, like if I'm gonna, if I'm going to post on my private page that day, it's going to flow out of something he showed me there. I don't have to do this over here, this over here, this over here, everything flows out of that. And, um, I was telling you, I met this uh, transgender person, Angela. And so I was taking her through a uh, zoom a training and I, um, got to that part and I taught her prayer cycle. Sure enough. Uh, the next week she came back and had spent an hour with the Lord and, um, I taught her soaps. So now she actually soaps every day and then posts it on, on her Facebook page. And so it's just, I just try to take the principles and I try to instill them in everyone around me, whether I'm just starting with them or whether they're well-groomed, I'm still trying to get them to do these things. That's great. Awesome. Um, could 
Could you uh, could you define soaps real quick? All, yes. all of our listeners might not know what that yeah. is, too. Soaps is just a way of reading, hearing, and obeying the Word of God. So S stands for Scripture. So as I'm reading, uh, I have a certain way that I read. I read a lot of chapters, okay? So as I'm reading, I highlight the verses that God is drawing my attention to, okay? So those are potential applications, but um, then I do observation. I take, well, after I read, and I select the scriptures, he shows where he's pointing me. Then I pray over those scriptures and I choose one. It might be two or three verses. Today it was four verses, okay? So observation just becomes my uh, way of restating it, okay? Then I get to the A, the most real important A is what am I going to do with this? What what am I going to do today with this? I will. So I always form an I will statement, okay? So Scripture, observation, restating, A, application, I will. Then comes P, prayer. Then I literally pray it back to God. And then S is always, who am I going to share this with today? Okay? So I got some common people I share it with. I share it with my wife daily. I share it with my disciple-making community uh, daily. And then I uh, share it with um, another group. And then I ask God, is there any individual you want me to share this with? Because I don't want to just generically say my wife, my group, my, you know, my Facebook page. So I'm asking God, is there an individual? So what I also do, which is really cool, is I, I send myself a text of the soap. So that if, uh, during the day, God brings me across someone who could benefit from it, or in the middle of the day, he tells me, hey, why don't you share it with? I just go to my text and I can share it. So, um, so it, these are just habits that I treasure and everything out of my life flows out of these habits. I really like the practical tools. And even I know when I learned a similar though, slightly different way to pray, just a tool in that way. Cause when I first thought about praying for an hour, I was like, I have no idea how to do it. But when I learned a tool that actually helped me walk through aspects of how to pray for an hour. That was so uh, just revolutionary for me. It was something that I was like, wow, I can actually pray this long. I can actually have a great time with the Lord. And just like you, I would really cherish those times when I would pray. I would actually do it while driving around. So I would like be excited to hop in the car because I'm like more prayer time with the Lord. Um, so I think that's really great. And that I love all the practical examples you gave of tools of how to do that. You know, on this podcast, we've talked a lot about uh, some other practical things like practically how to start with disciple making movements. If someone wants to get involved, jump in. Um, but I don't think we've, we've talked a lot about if somebody wants to be involved in a prayer movement like this, or even say like, well, there's not one in my area, how to start it. You know, how would you say that someone can start to get involved in this particular prayer movement, like the pray for, uh, movement, um, uh, towards disciple making movements. And if someone wanted to start their own group in their state or County, how would they get started on that? Uh, again, I don't, I don't have all the answers for all, all the things, but I'm a lifelong learner. So I'm definitely trying to learn things. Um, really, I think, I think the most important thing is finding a couple people you can begin to pray with because of all the things I've done, the one that really impacts me that I really long for every week is this little Thursday morning, 7 to 7.30, where these people are coming together, okay? Now, when it started, it was just a couple of us, and we maybe only represented two counties. And so you don't even need multiple counties. If you could just find a couple people who are willing to consistently start to pray together and a lot of time, one of the things I notice in a lot of prayer gatherings 
They're always for an hour. What I'm learning with busy people is a lot of people hesitate to jump in to an hour-long prayer. So what I'm learning with this half hour, it, I mean, they come and we, we, you know, it, it's very powerful together. And so they feel like even before they start their work day, they can come in and they could, or they could do it from the car phone, you know? Um, so anything I'm trying to replicate, I'm trying to replicate into, you know, half hours. And I, what I'm long, what I'm really longing for in my own state is that I would have hubs in every county, people that were willing to do a little half hour prayer time for their county and then come once a week to the half hour for the state. So in, indirectly, I'm asking for an hour. This is just what I'm doing in my state. I'm so I'm trying to cast vision now for people to take a county and have their own little prayer time consistently and then come back to the larger prayer time. We do it on Zoom. We can break into rooms if it gets too big. No problem. Um, so I'm just trying to replicate all these little uh, things. And again, uh, they could get in contact with me just for ideas, just to hear the heart of it. They may have better ideas. I'm looking for better ideas, okay? Uh, but again, Michael at pray4maryland.org. Um, I could just share from my experience and some of the things I'm trying, and I'm always trying to accumulate new things so I can pass them on. Yeah, Michael, I, you know, obviously these tools are amazing, the website, the collaborations, how that has grown. But what I'm most struck by by you, both in knowing you personally and in this call, is just your lifestyle. Like the way that you abide in Jesus, your humility, your love, your uh, your genuineness. It, it really is an encouragement to me, and it's real. And so, can you speak to that a little bit about, like, you know, in disciple making, people want to hear about the, qua the the quantitative growth, but what I'm hearing from you is the quality of the growth of going deep yeah. with Jesus and and seeing that permeate other people's lives from the depth of those roots. So. So just what is what is one thing the last two years since you've been doing this that just really strikes you that this is what Jesus is teaching me personally that you can just share with us? Just what, what has Jesus been teaching you? Well, well, yesterday I was in another, I don't even know what the call was, but Neil, oh, it was a coaching uh, group. And Neil, Neil uh, Karsten from uh, uh, Michigan was in there and he said something really powerful. He said, faithfulness is success. Faithfulness is success. He says, delight in the Lord for who he is. Don't be driven by fruit, but by the Lord. I couldn't say that any better. Um, what, what's, what's amazing, and, and wherever you are, you know, like with prayer, they always say multiply extraordinary prayer. Well, what's that? How do you do that? Well, what's ordinary for you? Add something, add something to that until that, you know, that, that makes it extraordinary. And then when that becomes ordinary, add something else. But again, um, uh, again, another personal example, I guess, I guess I'll be really honest here. Um, before I became a believer, and that's 38 years ago, before I became a believer, I was a highly prejudiced person against everyone, everyone, everything, everyone. Okay. And, um, uh, after I became a believer, God started whittling away, you know, and I thought I was doing pretty good there. And, um, but yet, you've heard me mention the LGBT community. Uh, I thought I was doing really good there, but yet I had, I was harboring some stuff in my heart 
you know, you wouldn't know it from the outside, but I knew it from the inside. And so uh, as God began to bring these people into my life and I began to continue to pour myself before God, he literally broke me. I had to admit that I still had prejudices in my heart or avoidances, okay? Uh, and and so he, that's just like a big thing happening to me right now. He's teaching me another level of grace and patience and, um, you know, brokenness. And maybe that's why he's using me in that realm, because he he used he used these individuals to literally change me. And so I can't say enough about having having a disciplined lifestyle of sitting before the Lord, listening to the Lord praying, journaling, all those things. And then the big thing in my life is going out among the lost. I try to do that almost every day. I got three, I, I try to have not just one area because you could get frustrated with one area. So my neighborhood is one of mine. Um, I go prayer walking in, in, in another part of town. Right now I happen to be in this three, four apartment complex place. I go there every week, every week. And then I, a simple thing like Friday nights, I go to Buffalo Wild Wings. I've done it for a year. My whole goal there is to meet the people that go there at that time and to meet all the servers and try and minister into their lives. And we don't have time for it, but I could tell you multiple stories out of Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, and, and it's just the faithfulness, the consistency, the stick to it, you know, stick to it. And then if, the, if nothing's happening, then find another area. But multiple areas of engagement is critical. Um, I know I just <laughs> jumped off the point, but um, so that's, that's a little bit, you know, what's in my heart. And, and again, God changes. If I sit before him daily, he's going to give me an opportunity to be changed every day. I just have to be honest, open, and, and ready. We never arrived this side of heaven. That's awesome, Michael. You know what uh, else is impacting me about you is that you not only are involved on the local personal scale, but you've also tried to pitch in on the global scale. For instance, I know you've been involved uh, substantially in the Zume course. And those who have watched the broadcast before or been involved in Zume know that uh, Zume is a training course uh, to try to try to maybe teach some of these principles and strategies and life practices. Can you say something about how you've tried to integrate, at least in the past, some of this uh, coaching that you've done through Zume with your life of prayer and practice? Yeah, well, of course, um, I, I offer uh, discipleship training a few times a year. And a lot of times it's focused on my region, you know, my, my county, my region, you know, because I don't want to get stretched too far. But there was one time where I um, uh, did a training and I opened it up to anyone, including the people in my region. I had like 12 people from different nations and stuff. And, and one of them um, uh, from uh, Hungary right now, I'm, I still stay in constant contact with him. I, he took the principles and he's applying the principles and he's he he's he's replicating it uh, there in Hungary, and so I can't say enough about whatever training you end up on. Again, whatever you're on, stay faithful to it. Now I learn. I've been trained in three, four different things, and um, so I do some integration. But 
I, I know what I'm basically trying to do, and I'm basically trying to get these principles out and um, make them, uh, again, make them simple, reproducible, and as long as you can keep it at that level, then people can run with it. Some will, some won't, and you just keep filtering until you find you know, the ones that will run with it. You've also taken some folks that have asked for a coach, and you've served as a coach at times through the Zume uh, system, haven't you? Yes, yes. And again, that's just, uh, that's just letting what I'm practicing, uh, you know, be, perhaps influence someone else and then try to help them think through stuff. I, I get some. I'm hired by this church to do a job, so I got to do that job, okay? So, but God gives me all these opportunities and I just have to be careful. So I have integrity where I'm at and a lot of my free time I use in these other avenues, just trying to, trying to spread it. This way I can do both and, and feel like I have integrity here, but yet I can have, have an influence, you know? And again, if, if I can be an encouragement, I want to be an encouragement just to the regular guy, boots on the ground guy who who's just starting out. And, you know, that's, that's the way I view my, myself. And what do you so, guys think? Do you call Michael a regular guy? I mean, this is like, <laughs> you are just over the top, Michael. Thanks for all yeah, that. I want to volunteer for the whole chicken wing thing. So uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's make that go national. So. <laughs> yeah, we can multiply that. Multiply that. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, I think that's about the amount of time we have for this episode of the More Disciples podcast. So thankful for Michael So being on here, talking to us about the importance of move, uh, praying and abiding in Christ in order to uh, catalyze and foster disciple-making movements. And so hope you were struck by that. I was even convicted by that in my own prayer life. So I think that's what I'm about to do is go walk around and pray some for, uh, for the people around me. So... Uh, hope you enjoy this uh, episode and thank you so much Michael for being on it's an honor it's a blessing how are you making more disciples what problems have you encountered what successes have you celebrated what questions do you have share your stories with us by visiting moredisciples.com slash contact if you're looking for next steps on growing your ability to make and multiply disciples visit moredisciples.com to find resources tools and events all designed to help you make more disciples disciples